What's up everyone and welcome to episode 3 of the Wizarding World podcast. I am Albert, your host, and I hope all of you have been having a wonderful day today. It is the weekend officially here in Australia, it's Friday, I'm just leaning back and I'm just processing everything that I have seen from the amazing crimes of Grindelwald. And guess what, as per the thumbnail, Brazil. We're heading to Brazil. We're going to be discussing so many of these um, wonderful new revelations that were given to us by this incredible new film, and we're going to discuss its reception. We're going to discuss everything basically to do with it in the past few weeks that it's been released. Obviously, hashtag protect the secrets to a certain point, and after that point, I will, of course, be diving into spoilers. So um, in case you did want to uh, support the network in any way or like the video, share, subscribe, you're more than welcome to do that. Thank you so much. And if if you wanted to make sure that the podcast survives, continues to exist, head over to patreon.com forward slash interactive artistry and you can find a bunch of different tiers there that you can support the channel on. We can give you all sorts of things like pins and physical gifts, digital gifts, all that. So um, if you want to hear more about that, I'll talk about it just before I finish recording as well. So where to begin with Crimes of Grindelwald, folks? Well, I saw it uh, about a week ago. I've been processing, processing it ever since. I have the, uh, um, the, the not the novelization, sorry, the, uh, the screenplay that I've been like just loving, loving so much. There's so much detail that um, J.K. puts into um, all of the the characters when they're sort of talking. I I, f I feel it's it's them. You know, sometimes screenplays don't really convey that. They um, maybe the character or maybe the actor sort of runs with a, a different direction, a different interpretation. But um, also, it, there's also a chance that uh, this isn't like one for one the screenplay that was given to the actors and maybe it's sort of a mixture of the screenplay plus what was actually uh, ended up on screen so it's sort of almost like an edited screenplay so that's something that um something that occurred to me uh, while I was reading but needless to say there were so many revelations so I'll just kind of go uh as they occur to me so first of all um by the way <laughs> that didn't last very long I think I feel pretty good actually uh, about um diving into some secrets of the of the film if you haven't seen the film look what are you doing Just, you know press pause on this go see it and then come back and we can um dive into this material and and you can sort of yeah in, in case you haven't read uh the, the screenplay you can get some insights from uh, what i'm about to share and it's all just from memory everything really honestly is just right there embedded in me it's it's i'm i'm i, I resonate so strongly with with uh, with what jk rowling has shaped and what she's created so yeah let's just dive right in so so the first thing that i came across uh, obviously chronologically is newt's house and uh, bunty his uh, his assistant so bunty it turns out uh, met newt at a book signing which is really awesome and um i believe also the photo that we see later with um lita and theseus that uh, is ends up being quite pivotal uh, on the magazine cover uh yeah i think bunty is on that one there yes and um when it's being talked about in the film it sort of says and you know and woman to the side you know uh yeah, when Queenie sort of hands, um, that's all right, I'm remembering it now. When Queenie hands the magazine to Newt, it says, yes, uh, Th Theseus, sorry, um, Newt is Newt and fiance Lita and unknown woman to the side sort of thing, which is kind of funny. But yeah, um, so Bunty, uh, I really loved that whole really tweedy environment of uh, of the inside of uh, Newt's basement. Uh, in fact, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I don't think I've 
kept this as, um, very much of a secret on any of uh, interactive artistries like social media and, and and when i've sort of talked about it with friends and such and um yeah uh, even on previous entries with uh, with the wizarding world podcast uh, i love fantastic beasts it is absolutely by far and away my favorite wizarding world film and i've sort of gone to lengths on the reddit.com forward slash r forward slash wizarding world um to to kind of explain this as well it's um not contrarianism it's not um i don't think it's naivete i don't think it's uh, uh you know a, a half-baked a half-baked stance the reason why it's my favorite number one is because i i connect so much with with newt as a person like i've had to i've had my own sort of uh, struggles with uh, extreme introversion and not being able to relate to other people and finding solace uh, outside of dealing with real people essentially you know uh, i absolutely adore animals and and i come across a lot of them actually um as i'm sort of walking to and fro from work and here in Australia, uh, I've come across in the past couple of weeks. Um, now, there's a few of these that are special occasions. I haven't come across these ones in particular in like years. But it just so happens that in the past week, I don't know if it's anything to do with the winds of magic, what to do with the fantastic beasts and all that. But yeah, I um, once saw a tawny frogmouth, which are these camouflaging birds here in Australia. I uh, came across an echidna actually a couple of days ago. If I am not lazy with the edit, I'll have put some photos of the echidna here in the podcast for you to see. Um, and I came across a kangaroo who was trying to cross the road, and a little duck that was uh, that actually injured herself, poor thing, and uh, ended up calling the uh, RSPCA, which here in Australia is um, this uh, eight, uh, organization that um, uh, you know tends to um, injured or um, sort of uh, uh, yeah mistreated animals, and they have a volunteer service that picks up animals. So it's very strange, just centered around this particular story. I've just I've been experiencing this weird kind of magic melding into my own world of. Uh, of yeah my connection to these stories deepening not just from the films but weirdly there's just been these events in my own life that have uh, put me in mind of what i saw or rather you know obviously priorities like these the, the lives of these animals number one i really hope people do take that away from these films is that yes there's the grindelwald and, and dumbledore plot which is huge and, and jk's getting this chance as i like to call it wb has given her a passport you know to the rest of the world uh, <laughs> that's why i feel as though she took on um the the fantastic beasts uh, sort of uh, assignment essentially i do hear i do believe that it was um uh, that it was uh, uh warner brothers who who approached her about uh, the rights to fantastic beasts and when she speaks about speaks about it in interviews she's very emphatic but she does say that yes um i started thinking from one from one subject to the to the next you know from newt what would be happening around about this time and and um how would he have been involved in this sort of stage of uh you know developing the statute of secrecy and uh you know um animals and uh, yeah the fantastic beasts essentially you know and what I love so much is that we're going to be seeing the the meaning of Fantastic Beasts uh, expand and, and broaden uh, in the new in the new films as well. So Fantastic Beasts, beastlyhood. Uh, if you look at any definition, it'll say something that's like inhuman, right? And um, we deal with in a Dumbledore and Grindelwald, particularly Grindelwald, uh, a sense of being an inhuman and, and, and not being able to not like lacking that empathy. The reason why we call like serial killers monsters, you know, that's that's part of that beasthood is coming into it now. And then um, what J. Okay, says so beautifully is that beasts and and Guillermo del Toro says this as well is that they epitomize the complete other they are the epitome of the other um, which is something that is uh, misunderstood um, 
and that uh, isolates itself from being misunderstood and hides itself away. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, uh, Pickett, right? I've talked about this on the subreddit. Uh, he's kindred to uh, Newt, and he's sort of his patron animal in some ways, just like the Niffler will. Uh, as after a bit of symbolic analysis, the Niffler um, goes around and gets treasures and puts them inside his tummy, which is a place of protection, you know, and uh, a place of sort of gathering them. So Newt does the same thing. His tummy, so to speak, in sort of Niffler metaphor terms, is his case. And, and he sees these animals as a treasure. He sees them as something to be kept and protected and hidden, you know, so that they, they can come to no harm. So there's a link there between Newt and the Niffler. And then, uh, you know, Pickett, um, uh, the Brotruckle, is a nature spirit. It's a forest spirit that's very protective and very thin, you know, just like Newt. Uh, and uh, shy, very introverted, but when it comes to protecting the things he loves, very aggressive and very fierce. And that's where there's those that beautiful, um, I believe it was like the pop culture detectives, wonderful, wonderful documentary, uh, the 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 extraordinary masculinity of, of newt which does you know as eddie redmayne people have echoed this he he um balances perfectly as i was just talking to my girlfriend ray about is i believe the true expression of masculinity is the um is uh, openness right uh, because uh, women like the, the the female energy is like it's like expansive it's like the universe always expanding it's like a, a, a circle like perceptive uh, magical you know no, nothing direct about it uh, you know nothing up and down and i and i sort of drew the parallel of like gravity you know uh and uh, these uh, sort of more linear forces in the universe that's sort of masculine right well i believe the epitome really of 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 of, of masculine energy uh and, and like that sort of magic to each of the genders for me as embodied in a few characters which I'll be talking about is that sense of uh, yeah respecting and um uh, uh, and loving, you know, the the mystery, and 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 not being confronted by it. You know, a lot of these stories are about, uh, you know, magic. And in our own history, sadly, uh, people uh, were, especially women, or very much focused in women, were were persecuted for having these mysterious and indirect ways, and very like backwards thinking, and uh, you know. Uh, patriarchal bullshit <laughs> insecure male uh, uh you know percep perceptions very like especially the toxic side the limited quick to judge quick to be insecure and quick to lash out kind of sides which we do see you know um portrayed in the films in the form of the muggles and then you know grindelwald's followers this this dismissive attitude this closed-minded attitude that's the toxic side that rigidity that the the masculine masculine energy has that can become toxic and dangerous uh because it can become immovable um whereas uh, whereas newt is just like picket he, he's like made, made of wood sturdy material but he's pliant you know as well so best i figured i'd go on my little tangent of appreciation that this isn't just me you know a, a great part of this podcast going forward is going to be engaging in discussions um uh, of the wizarding world um into the wizarding world, you know, diving into the subjects, the lore and the history, but also diving outside of it using what we uh, experience in the stories as a platform to discuss real world stuff. Like I just dipped into a bit of sort of, uh, you know, uh, the different gender energies, right? Um, the feminine masculine which again doesn't matter the vessel you can be a masculine girl, you can be a feminine boy, all that doesn't matter. It's just this discussion that 
the, the wizarding world is uniquely suited for for opening up uh, into. You know, I feel as though it is the best suited of all the fictional universes. That it, there's this um, uh, something at the very core of it, which, as I've described in a, a number of articles um, that uh, I've written, you know, and that I've posted to the subreddit that I have also planned to to post. Uh, is the idea that um, this is a, a series for the other? It is a series for magic and um, the you know the and the imagination, which is something that it, you know definitionally isn't like there's the real world and then there's imagination. There's that dividing line, technically, but with the wizarding world, the idea is there's a blend. There's a blend between those two, and what that does again symbolically is the idea that we can take some things that are outside of our normal daily doings you know the rote the uh uh the boring uh the the mundane you know the the humdrum and infuse it with something outside of that so again you can ascribe it to divine nature often has this magic to it divinity has that magic to it and all of these are synonymous with insights from 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 observing the world from the outside so it's funny like they're connected but for one to serve the other best they need to be separate which is um the the wizarding and muggle worlds described perfectly right um and so they may be definitionally separate but they are interlaced and interwoven so right here just like from the very get-go there's a dialogue that can emerge about the discussion between yeah um if we were to assign genders obviously i would say the wizarding world is female and the uh the the muggle world rigidity you know again there's the toxic side and a, a beautiful positive uh, side you know and then we have like for example hermione's parents beautiful lovely accepting open-minded muggles so there's no no rigidity none, none of what grindelwald says none of that extremism of saying that oh you know uh because they are this uh because they are uh, you know whatever kind of bloodlines which as i have to echo what hagrid says it's bullshit you know <laughs> he doesn't quite say bullshit but he says it's codswallop right the idea of uh you know pure bloods or anything like that right so that rigidity is something that is um you know it's actually that actually tails us off quite well into the review of the film so this is one of the least rigid and least linear films that i that I've watched. Uh, I love it so much for that reason. It is obviously a brushing up negatively against a few people because of its uh, openness, because of where all the places it goes to. I am ready for a film like this. I'm not trying to be pretentious. I'm not trying to like be exclusionary. In fact, I actually want all dialogues. I want every kind of viewpoint on this film to be burst open for people to talk and, dis and to discuss this, because I believe um, that this film uh, as David Heyman says in the the Make Maker's Mysteries and Magic audiobook narrated by Dan Fogler, which I've been listening to, um, he does say Joe does something so exciting. And what that is, is non-linearity. It is something that is outside of the three-act structure. And it is, it is this sense of like, why not? You know, a lot of people ready to judge something and say it's bad, not because they've actually done any thinking about whether it's bad, but because they immediately compare it to what's, what they know and what they're comfortable with. And if it doesn't fit with that, they don't even sit down to, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of appraise it. They don't sit down to analyze it and to see it on its own merits. Just because it's different from what they've known before, they judge it and they say that it's wrong and they say that it's bad. The, it's interesting. I started the Wizarding World subreddit um, as a community that was designed to uh, really respect what Joe has called her world, which is the Wizarding World, not just Britain, 
right? Not just the Potterverse, which sadly, one thing about our culture is that we latch on as we become uh, so obsessive and, as I said, closed into what we are comfortable with. Uh, and as unfortunately, a huge, huge portion of the, as I say it, uh, the Wizarding World community, um, though they would probably say easily for, more easier for them to say like the Potter people, the Potterverse. I really want to get away from that term because Joe herself is getting away from that term, you know, hence, you know, the, the calling of it as Wizarding World. And it, it, I just think that it's this um, it's this irony because the whole series is about the, the dangers of rigid thinking, the dangers of being closed in and not accepting of, of others, you know. Um, and funnily enough, uh, you know, there's this anti- eclecticism there's this anti-openness and they'll mask it they'll say oh no it's no i'm not opposed to the world expanding i'm just opposed uh, about the execution and uh, and the plot and everything um so again we have a totally different situation to the harry potter books most people went into the harry potter films because again you we must keep in mind that as they were coming out the book phenomenon to this day, uh, incomparable. To this day, there's nothing. There's been nothing like it, and it's a, it's a fair bet to say that a huge majority of the people who went into the films um, had knowledge of the books or had been reading them themselves. Because genuinely, I mean, uh, you know, none of us, I'm sure, listening are old enough uh, or or sorry, young enough not to remember uh, that it did take over the world. So there was this supplementary material right there. It came out before the movies, right? And there was so much in those books, right? And there was so much that, you know, Joe felt really comfortable and she trusted the intelligence and perceptiveness and patience of her authors, sorry, of her readers um, to be able to understand, you know, and to be able to, um, to to keep up essentially, you know, with, with, with the plot changes. And when those films came out, people had had, had enough time to stew in. Um, into the stories and everything connected and there was this celebration right um, so I, I just have to observe and I have to remind and I really hope all of interactive artistry really all our different podcasts have that similar mission of moving away from this very dangerous tendency of the world to witch hunt to jump on bandwagons um, and to not have just well-reasoned balanced um, uh, egalitarian discourse about this material instead of just resorting straight away to judging to as I <laughs> really really detest uh, whining to entitlement to complaining there is so much more worthwhile to be to be uh, so much more so much more of a worthwhile discussion to be had outside of these like as i call them the sort of the the base behaviors the automatic lazy behaviors the the reactive behaviors you know um and it is something that i needed to kind of almost create my own little shelter away from you know I am. I really had to draw a line and just say, look, I, I don't want to have almost anything to do with, with anyone who uh, doesn't want to enter into a, a, an even-handed and a level-headed and a well-rounded discussion because I don't want to be part of any dialogue where people are just throwing up their walls and saying, oh, Nagini, Nagini's nationality this and, and Nagini's representation of women that, right? You talk to Claudia Kim, you listen to Claudia Kim, okay? And you talk about... Um, uh, you know, use of karma. You talk about uh, Dumbledore's uh, sexuality being, I believe, beautifully portrayed in the film. There is, sadly, a very aggressive echo chamber out there, which I hate to give much airtime to, but it is so prominent, so we will dive away from it subject matter-wise right now. But needless to say, just all I can do is implore people to have 
just to sit with things more get because the more you sit with it it's it's you gaining your own perspective on it outside of what you continuously see when and that is continuously subconsciously reinforced uh, when you scroll through your feed you pick up opinions because you're in that automatic autopilot mindset those go on to shape your own opinion but you actually haven't sat down and created your own perspective and looked at it from your own angle i really implore you to do that okay always keep your own thoughts always um think for yourself and um and and really don't and again I'm not sponsored, I'm not bought up, I'm no shill or anything. All I believe in, honestly, is in uh, well-reasoned uh, reasoning, you know, is is sitting with something enough so that you reach a point of honesty with it yourself without following on a, uh, like a hateful sort of bandwagon uh, or something that's easy. You know, even Dumbledore said it, there is the right path and then there's the easy path, right? And I feel like too many people are taking such an easy path which the internet is constantly approving of it in the internet loves drama media outlets love drama they they want to hear like the like the mcgonagall stuff they're just like they just they took that and ran with it and no wonder joe stays the hell away from it because she doesn't want to encourage it you know and so people are like joe has to explain no okay and I'm not again. It's it's. This is about uh, human decency. Forget of like, oh, he's just like a J.K. Rowling shill or anything. No, no, no. This is just about being a good human being, being polite, being responsive, and 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 listening, and um, and not being exhausting, not being entitled, and you know, it's it's something that. Gosh, it gives me these uh, gives me conniptions <laughs> to borrow a phrase from Dark Souls. Really, if you expect. Like, first of all, expectation is such an unappealing energy and like entitlement is so unappealing. So first of all, if you put out an energy of expectation and entitlement and frustration and throwing your hands up and crossing your hands in front of you and uh, ungratitude, you know, like criticism is one thing. Well-reasoned and constructive criticism is one thing uh, had in a beautiful forum. And you can get passionate as well. You have to, out of respect to other people's viewpoints, out of respect to Joe, out of respect to just your own humanity, forget, even even. For getting everything else is like as a personal standard for yourself you have to like maintain a core of uh open-mindedness okay you you need to otherwise like nothing's there's no worthwhile discussion to be had and as i said as you sort of sampled at the start of this episode you know these works if you if you drown out if you you know if you drown out the worthwhileness of all the dialogues that people can launch on, launch into, and, and all the, the platforms of subject matter that people can take. Like I have, I have so much on the Zou that I want to talk about that creature symbolically, right? In in, in Chinese uh, mythology, I have so much I want to talk about with with Karma, you know, and, and with Credence as well, and with Nagini. So much that I want to talk about with Nagini, right? Um, but all of this is halted so much by people just um, being obsessed with box office, being obsessed with, with critic ratings. It's just, it's so sad because we could be really enriching ourselves by discussing really important and pertinent subject matters to our own real world instead of being caught into this i would call it pretty infantile sort of geek sphere and and like interactive artistry is seriously anathema to that it it, it embraces and loves geekdom and all that absolutely but we're humans as well we're, we're cultural participants as well um we have a responsibility to our own intelligences to uh, to the feelings of other people because it, you know we need to nurture our empathy to a point where we are listening to each other and respecting each other's stances and 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 like all of all of jk rowling's works are about espousing 
tolerance, espousing dialogues, espousing connection. And in fact, she even gives us cautionary tales about what happens when you do disconnect from yourself, when you do disconnect from others, like, you know, ex uh, uh, exemplified by the Obscurus, right? Deny something, repress something, it, it explodes and becomes dest destructive, right? Um, and, and that focusing of, of destructive negative energy can hurt other people. And that is sadly what so, many, so much of the fandom uh, tends to do. So again, refuge away from that. That's interactive artistry. If you dig that, welcome. You are awesome. And if you're still listening, you are immensely kindred. And, and I love you very much. <laughs> anyway... All right, so well, before wrapping up this very quick little uh, third entry, um, this is almost like a, a prelude to the stuff that I want to be diving into uh, later in future entries, right? And it's just going to be free form going into each subject. But um, let me just let me just take one side of this story, something that really jumped out at me, right? And it is Grindelwald. Okay, it is the person that this film was named after. Johnny, his situation, everything to do with that. Uh, and you know I, I know i said i would try and shift away from the uh, the drama i will address it very respectfully right now okay um i believe johnny depp's performance as grindelwald is one of my favorite performances that that the man's ever done it's so understated for him you know there's pain in his eyes there's regret there's loss there is um, uh, there is self-doubt in, in some in some places that I see, and there's a, a repression, because what we see with with Dumbledore, and you can see this in the screenplay, is that there's there was love there, or there is love there. In fact, if we go off of the mirror of, of Erised visions, right? Um, and I believe Grindelwald is angry that Dumbledore didn't come with him, right? There's still love between them, right? Grindelwald wants him dead. Um, out of love weirdly i know that that may be very strange to say but um when you love someone so much it, it becomes unbearable not to have them and in the very dramatic kind of uh, you know the way of certain maybe melodramatic novels if you can't have them you want to destroy them because you love them so much kind of thing so i believe that we're going to see more and more of that as we see the future films okay so grindelwald perfectly cast jk i, I trust her implicitly i really do not exceptionalizing if she takes a misstep i will call her out on it as anyone should however I've, i have not seen this woman make a misstep not in my terms i don't judge this woman uh like cr cruelly or, or 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 negatively for um doing her thing putting out a story keeping mysteries and then again she maintains such a wonderful connection with with the fans and she answers things in her time it, again it is respectful to us ultimately this isn't any brainwashing crap or anything it's honestly what i think and i think if we took if we all collectively took a giant break from catastrophizing from entitlement and from um negative bandwagon jumping uh, like once that dust settles there's just pure magic left there's beauty left there's incredible creatures left there's amazing relationships there's wonderful dialogues to be initiated talking about jacob uh, and and and, um, and queenie about the dangers of of um being told repeatedly that like your uh your your unique gifts are a nuisance as you know uh with queenie she uh adelson sudol talked about this in uh, the maker's mysteries and magic which we will be diving into extensively you know 
definitely. So how to talk about Grindelwald. We're going to dive into do proper full discussions with that with various members of, of the community as well. I have reached out to the Final Wizard and to Fantastic Beasts movies who are these wonderful kindred outlets that they make their, their wonderful content and we'll, uh, looking forward to speaking with them soon on the Skype, get them on the show. We'll do uh, particular deep dives into different facets of, of Wizarding World, um, of the Wizarding World. Um, but the thing I wanted to end with here is as per the, the thumbnail, look, Brazil, okay? Brazil. <laughs> what can I say? So um, I cannot wait. Are you kidding me? That's I can't wait for that. What a complete palette change, right? So Castelo Brujo, one of the, when I was reading those stories like a year or so ago, probably two years ago, you know, the Wizarding Schools, the one that jumped out at me was this this forest of this golden uh, castle in the middle of the rainforest, protected by these creatures. Uh, it felt so Hidata, uh, you know, Hayao Miyazaki. Not even funny. Um, Gosh, I, I wonder if all of those, uh, you know, schools that were revealed are actually going to be hints, hints at where we're going to be going, which would mean, you know, Castilla Brujo is, uh, <laughs> that would be, you know, Brazil, right, or Portugal, you know, that area of the world. And J.K. spent some time there, if you look at her biography there. So that'll be really interesting to see how she folds in her own uh, experiences, possibly there referencing it. Um, Grimson's going to have some activity there, I believe, the one that the, the monster hunter, uh, who was that wasn't explicitly said in the film it was actually something i picked up from the script and from the the makers mysteries and magic so grimson very intriguing character very cool uh, actor lovely guy obviously nothing like his, his his character but um i'm really looking forward to seeing that guy like chasing beasts down his uh chasing down uh, newton and his beasts in uh in in brazil Brazilian mythology, Brazilian folklore are going to come into it with the, the kind of creatures we're going to be seeing in this amazing place. I wonder, I truly hope we may see something, maybe a story centered around a school. You know, uh, often we, um, in the Harry Potter stories, we saw from the out, from the inside out. You know, we were the students, we were among the students looking at all this stuff with the adults happening on the outside uh, and the kids, you know, doing their best from within the school walls to figure out what the crazy adults and the, are doing on the outside of, uh, of the Wizarding World. World, right so it would be really interesting if we see maybe uh you know newt go there um believing that um there's something to do with uh, Castilla Brujo that he has to in investigate and that maybe here I go like get ready folks I don't I don't want to <laughs> I hope you're all sitting down I want Newt to teach a uh, care of magical creatures class at Castilla Brujo that is what I want him to do okay everyone I want him to do that and I want him to teach magical creatures and guess what Dal uh, Dalbus Bundledor. <laughs> Albus Dumbledore will have sent him there for that precise reason and we will genuinely see almost like an, a reverse like a, a sweater turned inside out an inverse Harry Potter story where we're going to be following Newt imagine if the Prisoner of Azkaban we followed that uh, from the from the point of view of Lupin you know uh, they're experiencing everything he was doing you know it took, you know uh, following essentially a professor right in this story uh, we have to see that like wouldn't that be wonderful I, I'm almost, <laughs> I really lashed onto this idea again that was sort of storm day I didn't I hadn't had that until a few moments ago here on the show so you're having that live uh, live sort of um, uh, sort of inception of that story 
I just I can't wait to see something like that happen again. Cross fingers, right? So Castilla Brujo. Um, uh, so Grindelwald has fled uh, Paris. He's probably gone a little bit back down underground because this was very visible, just as visible as New York. Um, there was a rally this time instead of just him appearing uh, from graves. You know, so many many people saw him. Uh, many auras saw him. So uh, the, like things have escalated. So it's it it would be natural that maybe he would be seeking. You know, using credence. Uh, maybe it's to tame certain other beasts that he'll need for his battle in um uh you know in, in rise in, in in elevating the wizard wizard kind's dominance and possibly another reason he could be going to uh, brazil um is to, to seek out uh protection from um he, he would by now obviously have realized that the uh, blood vile uh the the blood pact between him and 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 dumbledore is now uh, vanished and that now he's worried almost horcrux style so maybe he be he may be seeking some some charms uh for, for that so uh to, to be able to ward off any particular negative things that uh, albus might try and do and um and yeah, I think the folks over at uh, Pottercast or Mugglecast they were talking about, uh, they were talking about what would happen and how long it would take for this, you know, blood pact to be um, destroyed, and whether or not that might have a Horcrux-esque sort of path. So, so there you go. A little bit of a few things for you all to, to speculate about um, going into uh, the weekend. Hopefully, this finds you all well. And uh, yeah, so this has been the uh, the third episode of the Wizarding World podcast. I really hope it um, uh, entertained you, it informed you. I hope you had a lot of fun with it. And if you did enjoy the show, feel free to like, share, subscribe, and hit the notification button here on YouTube uh, to make sure that you don't miss out on any any of the videos that I'm going to be putting out about Wizarding World and a whole bunch of other lovely subjects, including uh, Death Stranding, uh, Sekiro. We also have Star Wars and uh, and many more, even Mastodon, even Ghost. We have a few music podcasts here on the network, predominantly focused on uh, video games. And we will, of course, be diving into um, uh, yeah interactive artistry. That, that's what that refers to, both video games and also the interaction between different artistry, forms of artistry. So there's the, the double meaning of the name there. And yeah, we we will obviously be diving into at certain points uh, certain dedicated episodes actually to hogwarts uh magic awakened right <laughs> i'm so tempted to put this in the thumbnail but yes we are so close to the um to the game awards and you better believe that we may even have a reveal soon my friends um there was i'm going to be sharing an image hopefully I, I didn't delete it uh when i was sort of doing my file tidying but it is an image um of of someone on, on reset era who has said that there is uh, rumor that uh, magic uh, Hogwarts Magic Awakened will be revealed at the Game Awards in about five days. So look forward to that as well. We're going to be diving into that as well. Anyway, again, I, I sort of uh, tailed off a little bit in, in the sign off. But again, thank you all so much for listening in. Thank you to my wonderful patrons, you know, Turpal, Eli Bergmas, Andrew and Philip Campana on the producer tiers. I couldn't do this a channel without you. I've memorized your names, as you can probably tell. And if you did want to help support the channel, get a bunch of wonderful rewards. I'll send you a handwritten letter, right? Uh, a pin at the end of the year. Uh, I'll be engaging with you, inviting you to, to uh, like private discords, and um, you'll have access, early access to, to the podcast and also to exclusive Patreon only podcasts, including IA Daily, you know, which is a, a show that I do every day. I would love for you to join that. And yeah, if you enjoyed the show, I would be more than happy uh, for you to engage with the show in any way, support it in any way that you see fit. Okay, so make sure all of you have a wonderful rest of the weekend. I've been Albert, and until next time, light can be found in the darkest of places if only one remembers to turn on the light. Bye now. <laughs>